0: Hi friends, welcome to another episode of That Sounds Fun. I'm your host, Annie F Down. So happy to be here with you today. The music in the background is from our good buddy, Mr. Torn Wells. His new album, Citizen of Heaven, is available January 24th. Y'all go ahead and pre-order it. This music. So good, so fun, great for the whole family. Uplifting. I just I adore this guy. I can't wait to have him on the show soon. Today on the show is a new friend that I loved getting to chat with, Andi Kolber. She has a new book called Try Soft that releases next week. I think y'all are really going to like it. So here is my conversation with our friend, Andi Kolber. Andi, welcome to the podcast. Hey. Let's great just do to it. Here. Let's let's do this. Do you feel great about that? Are we really like, ready? Wonderful. Okay.
1: One thing I want you to know is that I love Enneagram sevens. Oh, what are you? I'm a four. Of course you love sevens. Fours love sevens. And my husband is a seven. Uh-huh. And some of my really good friends are sevens and I have seven envy.
0: What is it about sevens? For oh you uh, particularly.
1: You know, I think it's the energy. Mm-hmm. Cause I am a deep feeler, yeah, and I have insights and thoughts about all the things. But my husband's like, "Let's go explore," and I'm like, "Yeah." Yes. When I was dating my husband, I'm, I'm, def- I've got some fire for sure, uh, and I had been through. What's your wing? Three, three. Ah, uh, see, yep, yep. And so, and I had been through a good amount of heartbreak. I had been engaged to a man, and just a lot of stuff. Um, and so. My husband kind of kept like hanging out, like in my life, and showing up, and, and I thought he was really great. What and, a good seven! But I'm like over here, like what's like what's his deal? Yeah. Like, what what's he got going on? So one night we go on a walk, and how I how old are y'all at this point? So we, we were like I was like 22 or 23. That's great. Yeah. But um, I, I just dropped this on him. I said, so what are your so what are your intentions here?
0: <laughs> at a girl.
1: I basically and then I basically told him I was probably too much for him. Yeah. Um, and you know what? Now that I've written a book and I'm a therapist, I, I see a lot of the places where I mean, I was I was a little extra like uh-huh. I had a lot going on. Yeah. In myself. But partly I had just been through so much pain. Yes. And I was like, I literally can't. Yeah. Like I might be 22, but I've got like the heart of uh, like an elderly person. Yeah. Like I'm yeah. I'm
0: worn out. And I, mean, I was 22 and already had a broken engagement. Yes. Dude, that's Mm -hmm. real. Yeah.
1: And so it was, I mean, I kind of was, you know, I was kind of an adult at a really young age in many ways. And a lot of that has to do with my my family of origin and a lot of those things. Um, And so I found myself probably attracted, probably in some ways, like to heartbreak because I didn't have the like, almost like the eyes to see mm. what was really there.
0: Yes, um,
1: And a lot of that has to do with attachment, you know, yeah. and, and I, I talk about that a good amount um, in the book, just because it's so important yeah. to how we interact with others, to God and ourselves. Yes, And so, you know, now, what is it? I don't know, 15 years later, 14 years later, um, I've come to find out, like, how that my body and my emotions were giving so, me so much information
0: yeah. about what
1: I really needed. And I and I just didn't know what to look for. Yes. I didn't have language.
0: I didn't even know. I didn't know what I didn't know. Yeah. Well, you talk, I, I literally just wrote about this in my new book. I wrote this like um, paragraph about when I learned to pay attention to myself. Mm. Will you talk about what that... I mean, not in a self-awareness kind of way of like, oh, everyone in the room is making an angry face at me because I'm being unkind. Not that kind of Mm self-awareness, but literal like, huh, Mm. I feel this very strongly. Or this actually makes me sadder than I thought it would. Mm. I'm not going to punish myself. I'm just going to listen and learn. Why does that matter? And how can you do that if you don't
1: do that already? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so the phrase I use um, is is the term compassionate attention. Uh And it really comes out of a posture that – Ideally, we learn first from our earliest caregivers, and not that they need to do it perfectly. But it's rooted in attachment, like when when others, when we've experienced sort of this non-judgmental, or at least n- not that judgmental, maybe uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, experience of others, that gives us a template of then how to interact with ourselves. Uh. And so, like for example, in my experience, um, because of the because of a lot of the dysfunction in in my family, um, I missed out on learning about some of the ways to begin to pay that compassionate attention to myself. Oh. And so in place of that compassion was really criticism or it was hustle or it was perfectionism, or it was shame often. And so sometimes we're paying attention to ourselves, but the lens we're using is um, if I you know if I did blank, then I would be worthy or loved. Mm -hmm. And so this idea of compassionate attention is really a way that we we sort of, um, we might go into this a little bit with how our brain works, but there's a part of our brain that's able to observe the rest of ourselves, Uh the rest of our brain. That's really our prefrontal cortex. So it's like we can think about thinking. And so when we talk about paying attention to ourselves in the way that you're talking about, we have to be able to have our whole brain integrated. Mm -hmm. So to do that, we can't be in fight or flight or freeze. And so like let's say we grew up in a home or we've been in some systems or some relationships where we've learned like we kind of always have to be on edge just because what if we're not like maybe something bad will happen Mm -hmm. or maybe we learned to numb or tune out Mm -hmm. because life was really hard. Mm -hmm. Part of the reason that matters is because our prefrontal cortex is offline. And that part of us that is able to think about thinking that can pay compassionate attention isn't available, and the reason why that matters is because that's how we come to be aware of what's actually happening in our body. Uh. So our body and our emotions are, and our experiences are kind of like—it's almost like a car. I think this guy Mark—I think it's Shalesky. He his um, he talked about this, but it's like emotions are like headlights, uh-huh. or, or like a on your car when you have something come up.
0: Oh, like on your dashboard light. On lights. your dashboard. That's Got what it. I'm looking okay, for. Okay.
1: So it's like if your dashboard light comes up and it's blinking. If you just are like, "Oh, never mind, that's not really blinking." Yeah. The problem doesn't go away right. or like the issue doesn't go away. It persist, you're just not paying attention. Right. So the same is true with And your car us. will eventually yeah. break down. Eventually that's going to come out yeah. sideways. Yeah. And it comes out sideways for us too. Right. So if we change our posture to understand that, like being self-aware in the way that you're talking about is sort of like getting a, a map yeah. To us. Yeah. You know? And it's so beautiful because God, I think, really intended it that way. Like mm-hmm. this is what it looks like to be a fully alive human. Mm-hmm. And and we have permission to pay attention and
0: even be compassionate
1: to those things
0: that right. are coming up. Right. I just wonder, okay, let's back up just a smidge about you. Sure. You're very smart. <laughs> I'm already like you're brilliant. So we're there's, fine. There's a lot going on. We're there's fine. A lot this going is on. how we're going to start 2020, just with <laughs> all the smart people right at the kickoff. Um, I a big deal to me is therapy. I think that's why we're friends. Mm. Is that I like one of the reasons I was so drawn to you and your work is I'm like yes. Why we need more counselors doing their day job and also having uh, wider voices. Mm, and so I appreciate that. So so let me also say to you, I want to start this year 2020. Mm. With a therapist on, just to remind everybody, Mm. it is super healthy to care about your mental health.
1: Mm. Yes.
0: What made you start caring about your mental and emotional health?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Thank you. Um, My dad
0: loves when people say that. He (laughs) always calls me and says, they said it was a great question.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think for me, because in a way, I I got to a point where it wasn't a choice. Ah. Um, Same, same. Yeah. I mean I think part of it so the way that I coped with the story I was given is that I thought that if I just white knuckled it uh-huh. and hustled harder. Oh enough, yeah, you
0: write about that and try softer about yep. the white knuckle yeah. after trauma. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And just it becomes this response to that. It's so intolerable. We learn that that we maybe don't have the capacity or it's not uh-huh. okay to feel pain. And so we take a posture like, well, then I have to ignore it, and I just push through. Mm-hmm. And so I was really good at pushing through. and 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 part of that way that came through is like in anxiety and tr- being really controlling, and like if I'm on time, and if I do all these things, and if my if I just control my parents and if I just do all these things, yeah. then I'll be safe. yeah, and then, I'll be okay, and so there's a sense in which I'm grateful because I think my body was doing the best it could yeah. to survive um, what my ex- the experience I went through, and and so I I think that's so important to like embrace the fact mm-hmm. that God really made our bodies to to survive yeah. and then ultimately also to heal. Yeah, and so. I guess for me it was this process of always, um, always feeling a bit different. And that's, you know, we talked about the Enneagram 4. I think yeah. that comes in for me. But just having like kind of being a really old soul, having these insights <laughs> at like 12 years old So right. people are like, wait, right. what did she just say? Right. You know what I what mean? Has she has been reading? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like people are like, why does she know so much about really adult things? You know? <laughs> and it's like, there's a part of that where um, now I can be grateful, but I've also, I really had to get to a point where I recognize that the things that helped me survive uh-huh. um, were no longer allowing me to live, and that my shift... on-site counselor says said a thing like that when yeah. I was at on-site. Yeah, and I think that's usually when healing really tends to start because yeah. we have to first acknowledge that the way that we're coping probably has a reason. Yes, like honor whoever got you here in yourself. Absolutely. And and I think that's not as common as I wish it was. I wish that we could look um, our stories in the eye. I wish we could look at our coping skills and all those things and say, while I maybe don't want to bring that with me into the future,
0: I am so grateful for the way that you kept me alive. Yes. You know? I have a friend who went through childhood uh, abuse, and Mm -hmm. we were having coffee last week, and she said... If eight-year-old me can survive this, 30-year-old me can survive Mm. this. Mm -hmm. And she was like, and I know the eight-year-old me did the work to survive this. I can figure out how to survive going back to it and working through it. I was like, man, that takes some guts. It's also why, Mm -hmm. like in January, everybody's like, new year, new you. Mm -hmm. And I I am so not a fan of like people losing weight and then holding up their old clothes and then dropping them away. Because I'm like, no, no, no. That person was doing the best they could. Mm. Do not dishonor them by showing their clothes to the world and how you're mm. smaller now. You should be proud that you're mm. healthier mm. if that is what you're going for. But don't say anything about her or him mm. because they mm-hmm. were trying. They were yeah. surviving. Man, I love what you're saying. And, and I,
1: the thing I might add, too, is that yeah. one of the things I've learned is that I now have the opportunity to really reparent the younger parts of myself that didn't get what they needed. And I think that's probably part of why I love sevens. Because I had to be really on top of things as a kid. I I didn't necessarily get to cultivate like – A lot of the joy or a lot of the – I mean, not that that wasn't at all present, but it's me now honoring and listening to that young part of myself. And I think all of us have this opportunity, no matter what our story is, to hear those parts of ourselves that still carry the wounds and say, what you went through really matters, Uh and I'm here to help now
0: yeah and yeah.
1: I will help you move forward yes. and 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 knowing that really that's God's posture towards us yeah and we get to steward that towards the parts of ourselves that don't know that yet yes and it's so powerful because you know we talk about this term in in psychology of integration and wholeness and and really that's kind of what we mean mm-hmm. when we when it's like we're bringing in the parts of ourselves that have had to, you know, sort of disconnect that we put into our shadow that we've said doesn't matter, that we've yeah. said, you know, you're worthless. And we ask them to come home. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and we say, you're welcome here. I love you. Yeah. Like, you don't have to hide anymore. Yeah. And and I really think that's a picture of, yeah, of how God really honors us and knowing that um, we only really have the opportunity to change when we validate like, how we got here in the first place, yeah, and the wounds that might still be present.
0: yeah, why so someone's listening, and they they've been with us for the first 12, 15 minutes, whatever this in, is, and they're like, "Why would I go back and do all that?. Mm. Mm-hmm. I've got to get the kids to school. I've got <laughs> right? a deadline at work. Yeah, I'm, I am getting my life done, and everything looks mm. fine. Yeah, I have mm-hmm. some pain, but everything looks fine. Mm-hmm. Why should I go back and do this work on me?
1: Yeah. I mean, man, I have so many thoughts. Okay, great. We're here. I mean, I think one of the biggest things that I would want to say is I get where you're coming from, person who's saying that. Yes. And that really was me. You know, me I too. think even as an a young therapist, I was kind of like when I'd go to therapy, it was kind of like, get me through this so I can be perfect. <laughs> you know, like I just want to be good at things. Right. And and then let's just get through the hard stuff. Um and what I've come to learn in my own life and in just like a lot of the research based around like trauma and interpersonal neurobiology and and the way our body functions is that uh, there's a great quote by Brene Brown. She says, "You know, um, we can't um, selectively numb emotions." Yeah. Right. So what that means is, is that our body is a system. Um, emotions are there to help us get information and really to have clues to move towards integration and wholeness. Uh-huh. So when we try to like selectively numb. Maybe this pain that we have coming up because I don't have time for it, and yeah. my life is all these things. And and what happens is, is we um, we're not as we're not really fully alive
0: is yes. what happens. We are not near as in control as we think we are. That's absolutely we right. We think we've closed one door in the house and gone mm-hmm. like everything will just stay in there. Yeah. And that is just not how our bodies work, or our brains work. Yeah. No, I think you're you're absolutely
1: right. And I think the other thing I would want to add, and, and maybe I'll just talk for a moment about something called the window of tolerance. Yes, talk about this because we pre-talked about it a we little did, bit. yeah. But I yeah. want to hear a lot. But I think it's important and I, I hope it'll be helpful for your listeners. But the idea is that, like let's say you're listening and you know you have, some stuff in your story that causes you pain. One of the things that's important to bring with us as a lens is this idea of the window of tolerance, because what that means is that there's a range in which all of us can feel our emotions or sensations, and it feels basically like we can handle it. We can tolerate it. But what happens is if it gets outside of the window, we either go into fight or flight Or we go into dissociation. And with that, it tends to be connected. Like let's say you have a history of childhood trauma or a lot of um, unaddressed traumas. Your window of tolerance will likely be more narrow and that's nothing to be ashamed of. That's really normal because that's kind of what happens. Our body has to be on even more high alert because it thinks, well, where else am I going to get hurt? I need to be even more aware of what could potentially damage me. And so with that, one of the things that's important is that When we're doing therapeutic work around integration and even just living our life, um, once we go outside of our window of tolerance, our prefrontal cortex is no longer online. Uh, So if we're not online, we're really... How do we figure out your window of tolerance? So it's very person to person. Uh But, you know, so like fight or flight might feel like... So there's there's like a big variation here. And I definitely gave you like the very teeniest version of it. But like... You know, you might feel like your heart beginning to race. You might feel suddenly like super angry. Or um, let's say you were in the middle of the street and a car was about to come towards you and you suddenly moved. That is your body interpreting the situation before you even had a conscious thought to keep you safe. Yeah. So, really, the window of tolerance is about your body trying to assess a situation. And if something, Feels like it's unsafe, that's what sends you out of your window of tolerance. So it's about safety. Okay. So, like, let's say you grew up in a home where you were shamed a lot. And then you walk into your supervisor's office and they have a look on their face. You might begin to notice, without necessarily even thinking about it, that your heart's starting to race. Maybe you're even starting to get really nervous. Right. Maybe you start talking really fast. And so, You may not be totally out of your window of tolerance, but based off of your body's assessment of the situation, you might be starting to get outside of it.
0: Yeah, okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So
1: the more significant and intense the threat, the more our body's going to respond in hopes to keep us – basically, it's like, how can we survive the situation? Yeah, yeah. And so the reason I think this matters for your listeners right now is because and for me. And for, yeah. I'm like, I think you're talking too. to me, girl. Let's go. <laughs> I get, go. It. I get <laughs> it. Yes. Um, is that we want to be really mindful of our pace uh-huh. when we're doing this kind of work. Because if we're not, it has the potential to be re-traumatizing. Uh. So that's where this idea of compassionate attention can come in. Because if we can observe our window of tolerance with compassion... And let's say the same situation where we went into the supervisor's office and we got all anxious. Let's say we begin to learn a different narrative that says, hey, you know what? It's okay that that was hard for you. Mm. You know what? Like there are some parts of your story that are really painful and that's over now. But it would make sense that that would be difficult. Yeah. Over time, we can actually learn to work through that in a way that doesn't feel so intolerable. Right. And that's where trauma like trauma therapy can come in. And that's where I, I practice something called EMDR. <gasps> yes. Uh, and we can definitely talk about that. But like there's ways to move through this. This yeah. doesn't mean it's always going to be that way. Yes. But if we try to white knuckle it
0: mm-hmm.
1: even through our healing. Yeah. A lot of times we we'll like, actually I just gotta just get say, to the finish line. I just got to get healed on the other yes. side of this. And that is not how this goes. <laughs> that's exactly right. And I think that's so much my story. Yeah. Is it was like I know that there's, like, maybe some ways that I'm doing things that I don't want to do, and so I just need it to be different right yeah, now, yeah. you know? And there was this feeling of, like, when I get there, yeah. then, then yeah. this will be better. You know what I mean? And I got to this point where I realized, oh, that that's never really going to come. Like, yeah. that's not how it's going to come. Yes. That's exactly and right. I actually had a really wise counseling supervisor – I was a couple years into my career, um, and I think I was, a pr- you know, I was an empathetic therapist, but I was such a deep feeler, and it was like I would, I would like over-identify with my clients to the extent that it was like, it was painful to not be able to be more helpful to them yeah. at times. Does yeah. that make sense? Yes. I was caring at times more than was appropriate for me, even as a therapist. Mm. Yeah, and I really kind of learned that from my childhood because yeah. that's what I did my parents. Right, right. And so that was the same narrative I kept in my body. Mm, and so okay. what I had to do was learn to unwind that narrative. And the only way we can really do that is with this. I mean, it's really, this is trauma work. Yeah. This is creating new neural pathways. It's it's internalizing a new parental voice yeah. in my own self. And really, this is a lot of the work I do with clients. And even what the book is so much about is is learning to be with ourselves, right, in a gentle way. Yes, in a way that says, "Oh, oh, you, you messed up again." Okay, okay, yeah. where okay, where should we start? Like, yeah. what do you need right now? Um, how can I how can I help you feel supported? Because paradoxically, compassion actually it births resilience. Oh wow! And so that's I mean, we have research to show that self compassion is profoundly. Helpful and effective, yeah. To it, it, like in trauma work, yes. And it feels so like it's like this total paradox. Yeah, yeah. You're yeah. like, wait, what?
0: Right. I mean, I think I, I'm going on a tour next month called Love Better, and one of the things we're mm. talking about is it's loving God, loving other people, and loving yourself better. Because mm. that that really, I am better at relationships with others when I'm better at caring for myself. Yeah, and you think it's the other way. You think I'll just love other people, and eventually I'll catch up. And that's not how it goes. Yeah,
1: no, I think that's such a good point, and I love that that is an emphasis for you guys because I think one of the things I'll like hashtag it or like just whatever, like love your neighbor as as yourself yourself.
0: You know, and I'm like, I could talk about this so long, girl. It's like one of my favorite things. So much, yes, Jesus. In that little section, he tells you three. It's not the two greatest. I mean, it is the two greatest commandments, but. But there are three yeah. subjects, well, love God, like, love others, as you love yourself.
1: Yes. Yeah. No, I think it's, it matters, I think, even more than, yeah. Like, I think most people gloss over that. Right. And I think for me, even just the, um, the research behind neuroscience shows us that when we are disconnected from our internal experience, yeah. what happens is, is we actually are cut off from our ability to empathize. With mm-hmm. others, mm-hmm. right? So you can like know what to do. Yeah. In yeah, yeah. air quotes, right yeah, now. Yeah. That doesn't mean that you're with. Yeah. that person, yes. right? Yes. So a task, a to-do list of how to treat someone is so different yeah. than the relational element of yeah. really the presence mm-hmm. that we need with other people. Yeah. So when Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself, for me, it's just this point of integration that blows my mind because we now have the the neuroscience to literally prove like this is what this is, Right.
0: you know? Hey, friends, just interrupting this conversation with Andi to tell you about our good friends over at 3rd Love. We are so grateful that they are still a part of making this show possible. And I know you guys are grateful, too, because y'all love their bras. And so do I. 3rd Love does bras differently. They believe every woman deserves to feel comfortable and confident every day. And with the right kind of support, they help her do that. 3rd Love bras are designed to fit you, not the other way around. They're designed with measurements from millions of women. Their bra styles are made to fit your life. They have over 80 bra sizes, but know that the only one that really matters is yours. Y'all know I love my third love bras and the way you figure out your size is so fun. They're just like a quiz. You go take their Fit Finder quiz. It's a few simple questions. Over 15 million women have taken the quiz to date. and they help you identify your shape and size to find the style that fits your body best. Hands down, it's the most comfortable bra I own. You will love it. Straps don't slip. The labels are tagless. There's no itching. And there's lightweight, super thin memory foam cups that mold to your shape. Third Love, and this is one of my favorite things, that Third Love donates all their gently used returned bras to women in need, supporting charities in their local San Francisco Bay Area and across the United States. And so far, Third Love has donated over $15 million in bras. I think that's awesome. Third Love knows there is a perfect bra for every one of you gals out there. So right now they are offering, my friends, 15% off your first order. So go to thirdlove.com slash soundsfun now to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash soundsfun for 15% off today. And now back to the show. Can you, for people... It's something that really impacted me was when I actually understood the definition of trauma. Mm. Because I would have told you in my story that there was not trauma. Mm -hmm. I do not have massive trauma. But then when my therapist and when on-site kind of taught me what trauma really was, it set me free in a lot of ways. Can you Mm. kind of talk about the actual definition of trauma? Because in your book, Try Softer, you talk a lot about trauma.
1: Yes. And it
0: it isn't just for people, though it is, for people who have traditionally... Defined trauma.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So the way that I define trauma, and it's a very broad definition intentionally, is that it's anything that overwhelms our nervous system and our ability to cope. Mm -hmm. So within that, um, I, I would say there's two things. There's big T trauma and there's little T trauma. So big T trauma, essentially PTSD, um, and that's in the DSM, uh, which is yeah, what's what that therapists – So that's what therapists. <laughs> so many letters. Yeah, the Diagnostic <laughs> and Statistical Manual, Fifth Edition. There you go. Um, okay. And and you know, I'm not going to give you the complete diagnostic everything from that, but essentially it's it's when we've like observed someone experiencing violence when we or a threat to life. Um, or someone else is a threat to life. It's sexual violence. It could be natural disasters, um, and so and then experiencing sort of some of the symptoms that might come with that. Yeah. Um, a person who's had those experiences and has those symptoms would probably then be diagnosed with PTSD.
0: Okay, and that's big T trauma. That's big T trauma. That's like traditionally when we talk about trauma, we're like, oh, that was a traumatic experience when yes. I was in a hurricane, or that was a traumatic experience when I was attacked. Yes, that kind of thing. Yep, yeah. yep. And if you think about just tying this to
1: the whole window of tolerance idea, yeah, basically trauma happens when we go outside of our window of tolerance, and we don't have a way for that to be processed. Uh-huh. So the experience, it sort of stays. Your outside. body keeps the score, right? It literally it does. It lives, and in so you. it's like it gets stuck. Right. So it's it's sort of like anything that reminds you of that experience. Makes you go right out of your window of tolerance, right back to the sensations, or potentially smells, or the potentially memories, uh, and it can it it can vary depending on the type of trauma. Right, right. So that's how that relates with the window of tolerance. Um, but so little t trauma, I liken it to essentially, it's almost like a like let's say it's like a paper cut. Okay. Now, at first, that's not going to sound like a big deal, but let's say you get 100 paper cuts yeah. and then your hand gets infected and you're walking around and you can't even use your hand mm-hmm. and you're like getting angry at yourself because, oh, you're so weak. You're just affected by paper cuts, you know? Yeah. So that, that's like little T trauma, but big T trauma is like someone who gets like a really severe cut uh-huh. and they need to go – They need to go right to the ER. Yeah. So so maybe – so with PTSD, it's like, yes, like there's an immediate need for care and some really specific things. But little t trauma is really about accumulation Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and our ability to emotionally process difficult or uncomfortable experiences. Yes. And that – is really related – it's related to the window of tolerance. It's often related to the messages and the experiences we've had in childhood about feelings and and emotions and what's okay. And sometimes, you know, I find a lot of my clients, when we talk about childhood, if they have like – you know, let's say they they have a great relationship with their parents. They may struggle to affirm for for themselves that anything was hard about their childhood. Yes, yeah. But but I think it's so important to know that oftentimes as parents and I you know I have I have two kiddos like we're doing the best we can and and that's that matters and it does but it doesn't mean that the way that someone experienced something um, wasn't intolerable to them.
0: Yeah, that's right. And so and both ha- we have to let both be true.
1: Yes. Yeah. And, and and it's this uncomfortable truth, right? right? Like we often want either or we want we, yeah, we have oh, these polarized. I do. Yes. Yeah. And I get it. I totally get yeah. it. But there's this we have to hold this tension. Yeah. And say, you know, really to do this work of coming alive, of really being a person who's embodied.
0: Mm-hmm. Like
1: I think of Jesus, like the incarnational yeah. aspect of Jesus living in a body. Yeah. Like what a picture for us of what it means, you yeah. know. Um, and so I think all that to say, so little t trauma often will will be connected to things like um, attachment styles from our childhood. Mm-hmm. So ways that our parents were or were not able to sort of attune yeah. to what we were experiencing. So, like, let's say a, a you know a parent has a lot of anxiety, yeah. and w- every time that their child seems anxious. It sends them out of their window of tolerance, right? And they say, "Knock it off! You're not feeling that." No, you know what that. And let's say later they like kind of feel bad, but they don't know what to say, so yeah. they don't say anything. You right. know what that. He won't ch- remember.
0: It'll be right. fine. Yeah,
1: yeah. So one of the things that happens when our parents give us those implicit messages that we experience is that our nervous system doesn't learn how to move through those experiences, like Uh let's say that particular anxiety. And we create this narrative, these neural pathways in our body that says, you know, I, oh, those, that feeling is, I can't feel that feeling. Uh I have to push it away. Uh And then you're an adult and it's 20 years later and you have maybe a whole backpack of anxiety that never was processed, right? right? So that might be an example of little t trauma that Uh gets accumulated. And one of the things I think that matters too is that Let's say that same person then gets in a really severe car accident. They're going to be more likely to, to experience PTSD. Yeah. Because of that, because they don't have the, the template mm-hmm. to move through the feelings. Yeah. And because so, so much of trauma work and trauma processing is, is understanding that our body has a system that allows it to move through hard, yes. almost like we're like metabolizing the pain. And we are able to metabolize
0: it when we have the support. Yes. And when we don't have the support, it stays stuck. I can look in the last two years. I've been in therapy since 2013. Mm. And so I can look in the last two years and go, like, there are things that have happened that I would have handled so differently Mm. before 2013 Mm -hmm. that I I can tell that had that happened on top of the paper cuts – We'd have had a real situation. But because I've spent a lot of money and time (laughs) on my paper cuts, it it is, uh, I can tell I handle new ones differently. Mm. Um, When I went to my first, when I called my counselor the first time, I wrote about this in... Looking for Lovely, maybe, doesn't matter. I read about it in one of my books. But I remember saying to her, I was going because I had run from a relationship with a man, Mm. like had gotten on a plane and like flew away from a date. It's bad. (laughs) And when I got, when I left her a message, I said, "This there's nothing wrong with my family. There's nothing Mm. wrong with me. My job is great. I just want to talk about this one thing. And she was like, oh, yeah, sure. (laughs) Seven (laughs) years later.
1: (laughs) Surprise.
0: It wasn't that one thing. It was Mm. a lot of things. But it is when you don't have a big T. I had some sad things happen and some Mm. bad things happen. But when you don't have a traditional big T trauma Mm. and you try, it is easy to talk Mm. yourself out of doing the help on your own mental health. Yeah. Because you go, yeah, everybody's parents said that. Mm. Everybody's friends said everybody. That happened to everybody in middle school. Mm-hmm. I do not need to spend my time and money going back to middle school in my head, <laughs> right? Because it's not a big T trauma. Mm. But I just, I love that you give permission in person here, but also in Try Softer. You just give permission to like, no matter what mm. your trauma moments are, they are worth your yeah. v- being in your view until mm-hmm. they heal. Yeah, and I,
1: I, I so appreciate you sharing that and just. You know, normalizing that it's hard to be a person. It is
0: hard to be a person. It is hard to be
1: a person. You know, and, uh, and the reality is, is that even in really like uh, like families that are somewhat healthy, there are other ways we experience pain that can feel overwhelming. I mean, there are systems that can do that. There yeah. are different type of relational aspects, and so I think so much of my hope with Try Softer is that we would start having the language as a culture and really a Christian culture too. Yeah. To be able to talk about this um, in a very, uh, like for it to become just uh, like what you're doing, to normalize Mm -hmm. our experiences, because I think that actually would also help it not to necessarily be so much little t trauma. Yes, yes. (laughs) Because part of what's hard is we live in a very achievement-oriented culture. We live in a culture that really celebrates people who seem like they have it together. Yep. Um, the ways that we communicate what's okay and what's not okay. And so much of that is just, it's implicit. It's mm-hmm. not even necessarily stated. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's just, this is what I'm going to show the world. Yes. And therefore, this is then what people think is normal and, and good and okay. And so, yeah. you know, I think that's honestly what kept me stuck. For a long time. Because from the outside, I was doing pretty well. You know, like I had done things that people would be like, that's great, that's awesome. And I was like, well, I must be good then. Yeah, yeah. And I had this mismatch because what I was looking like on the outside was not what I was experiencing on the inside. Mm.
0: And had I. Gosh, that's probably all of us on one day a week. Absolutely, If not every day a week. Yeah. yeah,
1: and and then the question is: Is how can we respond to
0: it? Yeah, because if when we
1: have that mismatch, we can have compassion and say, "That's hey, right," and
0: not punish ourselves right away. Yes, yeah.
1: and that really is so much of the key, because that we begin to try softer. Like I remember when my kids, so both of my kids were terrible sleepers. Really, I mean, they've come a long way. I love, I love you both. <laughs> how old are they now? Um, seven and almost three. Okay, yep, almost three. Yeah, almost three. three. She's- yes. She? Um, my, I have a little boy who's the almost three-year-old okay. and a little girl who's seven. Okay. Are they both blonde? I've seen the uh, picture yes. on Instagram. I'm like,
0: I thought – I didn't look long enough to know. I was like, I Blondish, thought they were yes. both um, girls, but no. Yeah. No.
1: Well, my little boy is –
0: like beautiful, so yeah, yeah. it's fine. <laughs> um,
1: no, he, uh, both of them, just the first year, so
0: rough. Yeah, man, so rough. And Isn't mother, that funny for you to say, looking back now, the first year, a year is a
1: long oh, time. Oh, girl, don't. I'm not over it yet. So <laughs> okay, good, just, good. good. Yeah, You're no. Like still processing through them. that trauma. Yes, yes. No, it was so intense. And honestly, for me, motherhood was such a significant time. It it cracked me open in a new really? way. Absolutely, because it was like everything that had been working up to that point, it was like I had, I call it like levels of healing. Like I feel like I had gotten to a certain level of healing. And then I became a mother and I was like, oh man. Like I literally, like I am not sleeping. Who am I? What's my name? What can I, like like my capacity from almost everything went way down. Like it just, it cracked me open, right? So for a person who has relied on, getting things done or like being able to like be self-sufficient or any of those things. It was, it was really, it was really tough. It was really challenging. But the reason why I think it matters so much is that this is when Trisofter really began to like plant seeds for me. Like There was like this idea of, I remember this, this day where, okay, my son was not sleeping at all. My daughter's walking around in a tie-dye shirt and a tutu. Yeah. Our house is just a mess. I'm like, I have no idea what we're having for dinner. Like, I was just, I mean, I was feeling it. And everything in my wiring was like, just
0: wanted to look. Oh,
1: scream and then also like white knuckle it. Like, yeah, I just I was, didn't even I was know. Like,
0: what did you want to do? I didn't even I know. I always want to run when I fall. Yeah, feel like. I wish I didn't. My sevenness is. In oh, that. I, there, like, there's Not a part jog. of me that wants to. Yeah, no, run. Just to be clear. <laughs> totally. leave. Like, I'm out. Not exercise. Totally. I just want us to be on the same page. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm
1: with you. Yeah. I'm with you. Yeah, and I think that's one of the things that's hard about motherhood too, because yeah. it's like, I can't. Leave
0: Where
1: you can you go? Yeah, so, I can't leave so this is li- literally what we did is we went outside and I got some bubbles and <laughs> we went in the yard yep. and just let my daughter who was like four just blow bubbles yeah and we just like kind of like like I and I and that might sound funny but there was something in me that softened. Mm. as I was just like this is what it is like I'm doing my very best yes I like literally can't make my son sleep more like I'm yeah. doing my best yeah. I mean it's okay that Tia's stuff doesn't match at all and it's really okay that the house is a, a mess and and it and it sounds so I, I don't I don't know how it will sound to, to folks who hear that but for me it was a huge breakthrough yeah. because what I began to see is that none of that was worth my sanity yes like I began to see that, I was no longer willing to trade my sanity for things that were like out of my control. Mm.
0: And oh
1: man! And so I had been that
0: on Twitter. (laughs) Yeah, can't trade your sanity for things that you're out that are out of your control.
1: Yeah, like I just and it was like it was like I was starting to get it. It was like letting myself soften Mm -hmm. to all these things that were so hard. And so then and then the the replacement was for me. So can I be gentle? Yeah. So, yes, it's been a hard day, Andy. Y- You're Yes, you are doing the best you can, you know, or like and, – and to reach out to friends and those things too. But my own internal voice started to change. Wow. And why did you believe yourself? Honestly, a big part of it – and I think this can look different for different people. But a big part of it was my husband, mm-hmm. like having, having experienced – a safe attachment, yeah, with my husband, allowed me to internalize that, and really know. And 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 I'll just say, not perfect because we've sure, had our sure. like more than fair share of things that are hard, but just a consistency, mm-hmm. um, a kindness, and yeah, just those those things that I I needed in a very specific kind of way gave me a template to give that to myself. Oh, wow. And that's kind of how it works on a neurobiological level is that we can't give what we haven't experienced. We can't give what we haven't experienced. Yeah. So it's like if if someone – Which is why you
0: have to reparent yourself. Yes. Yeah. Yes.
1: And before we reparent ourselves, we have to experience something or someone. And by something, I mean really I think God, there's good research to show us that our experience of God can be a safe attachment that can we can utilize and leverage in yeah. our healing experience. Yeah. And and that I is should, true for me. That is yeah. he is my most safe relationship. Absolutely. And there's really good research to show that. For me it was the opposite. I experienced my husband as safe and that allowed me to – it's not that I didn't love God. I just felt God was mad at me, mm. and I felt like I needed to, like, prove. Like, I was yeah. like, when am I going to mess up, and you're going to smite me? Yeah. Um, so all that to say, that doesn't have to happen in a romantic relationship. It can happen with therapists. It can happen with friends. It can happen with teachers. Uh, you know, I mean, there are just ways. Dogs. With dogs. You know, like, there just are ways with pastors that we um,
0: can sort of rewire. yeah. To have those experiences. Yeah. So for our friends who are listening who don't have that with their spouse, but they have mm. a spouse, mm-hmm. how do you how do you start a conversation of I know we're in this and we're married, but mm. but there's this attachment thing that happened as a kid that I need to tell you about or, mm-hmm. you know, like, how do you start mm-hmm. this conversation with someone you are already committed to?
1: Yeah. Well, first I would say pick up Try Softer because I talk a lot about um, different attachment styles and stuff like that because it's such a central framework to the book. So I will just say that I think it will be helpful. But I think a part of it is, yeah, I mean, I think really beginning to – have language for yourself again this is why i think ha- like looking at something like try, try softer or a different reference that helps you understand Don't push it else's reference we're just going to try softer <laughs> that's enough. All right. All right. right. We'll go with that. Um, But but what we realize is that it's not so much that we need a perfect attachment, but we can move attachment styles we have now in the direction. Mm -hmm. So like, let's say we have an anxious, ambivalent style, and that's a particular type of insecure attachment that is related to feeling like um, you might be abandoned when you Mm -hmm. really need a person the most like Mm -hmm. or like um, there just tends to be this feeling of um, in like a marital relationship it will be like the person who tends to pursue or like wait I need more from you like that type of dynamic Um, and I'll just say the other two as well just because it might be helpful but there's also avoidant attachment and that tends to look like a style where um, as a way to cope with feeling like they wouldn't get what they need from their earliest you know caregivers they sort of of, um, as a coping skill, sort of shut off yeah. from their emotional side, and they, and then what happens is that if someone has big emotions related to connection, that feels overwhelming, so they uh, avoid. So it. that's where the avoidant comes from. And then the last one is disorganized, and that tends to look like, as an ad- adulthood, that's like fearful avoidant. Yeah. So it's like, is the one, is this person who's supposed to love me actually going to hurt me? And so there's this ambivalence sure. around like. Like, I want people, but also I'm really afraid. Right. That, like, what are you going to do to me? Yeah. And most of us have a blending of styles. Even, yeah. Yeah. Like, so even secure attachment. And that just means that we have had experiences of probably good enough parenting. And we have this interdependence. So it's like we're, like, connected to other people, but we're not so, like, we're not dependent on them. We're not codependent. Right. And we're- People use that word so much and it's so hard to define. It, it is. I know it's been really <laughs> – yes, I know. But on the other side, we're connected to ourself, but we're not completely disconnected from others. Got it. So all that to say, like going back to this couple, let's say this a person has an anxious ambivalent style, gaining self-awareness about the ways in which um, their story is informing the interactions with their spouse will – be just a great service. Yes. So like my one of my big styles um in especially early in our marriage was anxious and ambivalent. And it was like this feeling like even though I knew Brendan was consistent and dependable, it was kind of like you're you're running late. I knew you'd be late. Uh, <laughs> like like it was right. like because what that style teaches you is you want the person to show up for you, but you're also pretty much sure because of your they experiences won't. that they actually won't. Yes. So it actually creates an anger, yeah. like sort of a like, I knew this was going to happen, you know, yeah. but it, but really it's about the, it's about the feeling of being alone. Yeah. Like, I want you to show up for me. I yes. thought you were going to show up for me. Yeah. So part of that is like being able to have really frank conversations around like, um, when you, when you are running late. I start to feel like like you're always going to let me down. Yeah. And to be able to say, I realize that just yesterday you were on time, and the day before, and the day before, and the day before. Right. So I'm trying to hold that intention and take care of myself as I'm feeling some pain. Yeah. Because probably what that's really about is that little is little t traumas. Yeah. Where we consistently needed our caregiver to show up for us in that really specific way. And that's totally normal. That's a human need. That's not selfish in any way. This is something we're wired for. And that's coming up. Yeah. And our body's giving us information. Yeah. The ways that we can love people in our life is by taking ownership of our story. Yeah. And I think that's what TriSofter in so many ways is about. Yeah. And really emphasizes is that, you know, this idea of love your neighbor as yourself. It's like we really do love our neighbors better. Yeah. When we are connected and loving ourselves. Yeah. And 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 part of that is owning the story. What
0: about people who say that loving yourself is selfish, that it makes you, that Christians who talk about loving themselves or thinking about themselves are are just self-centered? Yeah, I mean, I I think that, I I mean, that's
1: pretty common in many ways, I think, especially in certain strains. Yeah. Um, I, I'd say there's two things. One, I mean, really looking at, you know, just that verse that we've been talking about yeah. matters so much. I'd also say that looking at that God as just such a compassionate uh-huh, God, uh-huh. that it, it just, it honestly doesn't make sense <laughs> that God would be so compassionate that we wouldn't, then sort of want to be a conduit yes, yeah, <laughs> to yeah, ourselves that's good. Yeah, yeah. for the compassion, you know. And, and then I would just say, because I really value research and neuroscience, and I'm like the neuroscience just essentially tells us that to be con- disconnected from ourselves – this is going to be sound really strong, but, I mean, it kind of makes us narcissists. I mean, uh, when we get really... Man, that is
0: true of the narcissist I know. Come like, on. You don't actually know you. And right. you don't actually—you aren't, you aren't into your own story. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And so really the fruit
1: of, of really being disconnected from ourselves is extreme unhealth. Yeah. And so, you know, you could probably make the Bible say— that it that it's selfish to pay attention to yourself. Yeah. But I think that to look at God is such a good whole I mean, God is the author of truth, right? Yeah. And if we look at the way we're made, if we look at all of what allows us to be well, right, allows us to flourish, right, it doesn't make sense that we would
0: be disconnected. Yeah, yeah, from ourselves. It, and it just feels like, man, if I if we were sitting in a room with all of our friends listening. I would just say, what if this year Mm. you like loved others and you took and you served and took care of your people, but you also went like, maybe I will give a little more time to my own story. Mm. I mean, and whether that looks like small group or counseling or just writing Mm. it down and telling the truth. Yeah. So, and just reading Try Softer. That'd be the other thing (laughs) I'd say. Just read Try Softer. Tell me why this was the right book for you to write. Mm.
1: Man, this book has been in process in my heart, in my soul, for probably at least a decade. Yes. Um, Good. You wrote it. Yeah. Yeah. But I think – and it it wasn't that I was like, I was like, 10 years ago, I'm going to write this book. It Uh was that this is – this is the book I needed 10 years ago. Girl. And that's why I really wrote it. Yes. Because everything in me – and the reparenting I'm doing in my own story is to be able to say – you know, you have done younger Andy. You know the best you could. Yeah. And but I wish I and and this is in a way what I'm doing now is yeah. giving those younger parts of myself these these tools and this information and I really want people to know that they don't have to keep living yeah the way that they're living yeah. like like there's other ways available to us yes. and god is so good to us that that we have i mean the the amount of research that we understand about how our bodies function how we move through pain yeah. what resilience looks like how self-compassion affects us what it means to really be present i mean it blows my mind. Yeah, And I just think, man, why would we not yeah. <laughs> want this to be just so common that it becomes so part of our language yes. so that we change this posture? Because, I mean, I th- I really, I mean, we kind of have an epidemic going on, I think, in terms of culturally. And there's there's so much anxiety. There's so many, um, and not just anxiety, but depression. And, and those things aren't bad. It's okay that Whatever you're experiencing, mm-hmm. you're not bad. Mm-hmm. But I think sometimes we don't have any way to move forward. Yeah. And so for me, I got to this point a couple years ago with the training that I have and the different things where I was like, man, I would love for more people to have this knowledge. Uh-huh. I care about this so much. Yeah. Like, as you can obviously tell, I think I really got to a place where I just was like, I am so tired of people not knowing about this. Like, yes. I really... Like, I really want people to know
0: that we can can live so much more freely. Yes. That is a little bit how I feel about counseling in general, where I'm like, can I just be the one? It's so sweet because at meet and greets or when I see people out and about, a lot of people will say, hey, I'm going to counseling. Hey, I've started. Hey, I've made an appointment, but I'm scared. Or, hey, I, I haven't. And I'm like, man, if that's what I get known for is people go like, well, Annie is k- kind of normal and she goes to therapy. I bet I could go to therapy and it not be a disaster. I'm like, yeah. yeah. The crazy people are the ones who don't go. It's the same people who go. Well, you know, one of the sayings
1: in the therapy world is a lot of people are in therapy to deal with the people who don't go to therapy. I mean, isn't
0: it the truth? Yeah. <laughs> Let me make you a list. Let's just let's just do a, blo- a start? Burn book right now, <laughs> v- vocally. Like um, we're gonna lock
1: ourselves in here for one day. That's to right. Do that.
0: That's right. Your publisher, Tyndale, is super lovely. I love those people mm-hmm. there. What's the experience been like for you writing a book, going mm-hmm. from being a therapist full time? Mm-hmm to stepping into this very different world of publishing and marketing. It's not just writing the book. There's like 900 other pieces to having a book come out besides writing it.
1: Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's so true. It has been surprising and hard. Yeah. and beautiful and yeah. redemptive. Yeah. I feel super grateful uh, one of the things I worried about in my experience is that because I just do have a history of trauma, I was like, "What will this be like for me?" To um, it's different to share your story with a friend, yeah, than it is. And not that I share Girl, all of my story. I mean, just buckle up! Yeah, you're I bet you ruin know. your life for a yeah. minute when it comes yeah. out. But I think so. Really wrestling with like, what parts do I share? Um, how much peace do I feel about sharing different parts? Um, and honestly, you know, really trying to figure out how do I say these things in a way that, you know, the random person who thinks they have no trauma and no issues would be able to understand this and say, well, you know, maybe I should think about my story. Yeah. Because I think it's not that there aren't people talking about trauma. But what I find is is that we go to these
0: two camps. We're like, you have really severe trauma, and then you, everybody else is fine. Yes, that's it. Two years ago before I went to OnSite, if you would have said to me, I would like to come talk about trauma, I'd have been like, that has literally nothing to do with my life. I mean, I've had bad stuff happen, but, I, but the stories you hear and the episodes of SVU and the – I mean, right. there's real trauma on the planet. Mm. But what you are telling us today and what I have gotten to learn – is that we all have trauma moments. Yeah. And and yeah. once you call them that, and once you go, that is a paper cut I need to look at, mm-hmm. it starts healing.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and it doesn't... And a healed up any, church is
1: going to change the planet. That's that's right. And I think, you know, I think that when it doesn't in any way minimize right. PTSD or big T trauma, to F, be sure, like those... But, but I tried to write Trisofter in such a way that it's, be, it's called I, – I call it trauma-informed. Yeah. And so what that means is my hope is that even if someone does have some pretty significant trauma in their life, that it's written to really empower the reader uh-huh. to say, I want you to listen to yourself. Yes. And if this is too much right now, here are some things you can do. Yeah. Because therapeutically, this is a game-changer. Yeah. So many people get into therapy and there's great therapists out there but that what can sometimes happen is it's too much too quick. It's like drinking from a fire hose. And they're like, I'm out of here. Like, clients are like, I can't, this is too much, too soon, or whatever. And I've, you know, I've experienced, I'm sure I probably did that as a younger therapist at times because you just want people
0: to heal. And you're like, oh, I see what this is. It's about your dad. And they're like, like, what? No, I'm never coming back. (laughs) That's right. And so to really empower people,
1: this is where the compassionate attention comes in to say, You know, I believe that you have wisdom embedded in you. Mm -hmm. I believe that about every person I believe that's part of the Imago Day. And and so because that's true, let's tap into that. Yeah. And let's use that as a as a guide to help us know how to come back to ourselves. Yes. And that's really how I talk about wholeness and a
0: lot of this work is it's not a new you. This is just this is more you than you've ever been. That's right. We don't need a new you. We don't need you to be somebody else. We just want you to be all the way you. Yes. And be fine with that. That's good word, my friend. Mm, well done. Where do you live?
1: I live in Castle Rock, Colorado. That's about 30 minutes south of Denver.
0: Ah, okay.
1: Yes. Why? You know, partly it's be- well we lived in in Denver for a while and just loved it and um and I moved there. That's where I met my husband. Okay. I write about it a little bit in the book, and just like some of the random experiences that got me there. Yeah. Um, but then my husband's job moved, and the commute was like pretty intense. Yeah. And so we decided to move just a little bit further south to make it a okay. little easier. What's your husband do? He works in um, medical sales. As like okay he kind of does, he directs a team around, he helps them. I'm trying to think of like the best
0: title. He works for it. the government. It's fine. I yeah, it's fine. It's secret. It's, it's cool. He has a secret job and he asked you to it's say co-work. something different. Yes. Yeah. We had to move, uh, farther, away <laughs> yeah. had to move uh, farther away from Denver. It's fine. I know all the things about trauma, but I don't know right, right. my husband's <laughs> title. I don't know my husband's job because it's government. Um, and your two kids say their names. If you're saying Mattia song, okay. and Jude.
1: Mattia. yeah, That's so cute. Thank you. It was it's my middle name. Okay. And it was my great-grandmother's name. So then her great-great-grandmother. I mean, your parents weren't kidding around Andi, Mattia. Right? So my full name's actually Andrea. And okay. that didn't, I mean, so everybody got my name wrong every single day. Because of how it's spelled. Um A-N-D-R-E-A. So this is what happened. I played a lot of sports. I know it's, it's kind of random. I like I, where this is going. But I played so many sports, and we needed a quicker name. Yeah. And, and, and also my family called me Auntie. but then somebody on my basketball team in like fifth grade yeah. spelled out A-U-N-D-I, and I kept it. And that is now your name? And now I just go by it because it's what I like. I like it too. I think Thank it's really you. fun. What else did you play? Basketball? So I did volleyball, and I did track. And then I ended up, I played basketball in college. Oh, where'd you go? I went to Pacific Lutheran University. Okay. So the, the Lutes. I don't, was wondering <laughs> if that was jealous. the
0: Lutes. I was thinking through what I knew, and I was like, and then the Lutes. I didn't know that. So um, basketball, okay. Yeah. Well done. Do you still play anything? Um,
1: you know, I love to move and be outside. And I think part of my story is I love basketball. For It gave me so much, and I still have, like, this warrior Part of myself, yeah, like yeah. like I have some tenacity, and yeah. like I'm like you want to run lines, let's do this, right? You know, yes, like I'm I like, can, <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'm so grateful because that really gave me so many resources. I think as yeah. I went through some very difficult, vulnerable times growing up, um, but I also came to a point. It was when I graduated from college, and I realized that I I was really harsh with myself in terms mm. of how I exercised. I would be very like. You know, if you work out, you have to burn X amount of calories or it would be like you have to get up to a certain sw- – like, or it doesn't yeah. count. Yeah. Um, and so I really – I have found that, like, especially this last decade, it's, like, reclaiming movement for me oh, wow. and, like, doing it in a way that feels – like, it's much more, like, intuitive and being yeah. gentle and, and, and exercising um, because I want to and yeah. because I feel good when I exercise. Yeah. I, I really do love how I feel. Um, but I think for the longest time, I felt like it was like this is this is a checklist, this is a job. My body's kind of an object; it needs to get me to, from here to here. Yeah. And I feel like that's something that I'm kind of still in process with. Yeah. And I think with young kids, it can be hard to like Girl. figure out that rhythm. And but awesome. um, so yeah. So I, I every once in a while, I'll I'll pick up a ball and go yeah. and do some like pickup yeah. basketball, and my husband's like why did you just take a charge from a 6'2 man? <laughs> and
0: I'm like, I'm st- I know, you're right. You're right. Yeah. You're right, but I loved it. <laughs> yes. Last fall, I just started, I grew up playing soccer, and mm-hmm. I started playing soccer again as a grown-up, and it has been the most joy. Oh, I love just that. Just to, like, go back and be her again. Mm-hmm. So now I'm like, does anybody else play their kid's sport as an adult again? So, totally. um, okay, Try Softer came out last week. It's out in the world. Oh. Congratulations. Thank you so much. Let me give you one tip about book publishing that I say to all my friends who have books because we're recording secrets out. We're recording this before the book, before um, (laughs) the book releases. Would you do me a favor? And the night before the book comes out, before any numbers come in, before Amazon does anything, before the people share or don't share, Mm -hmm. before anything, will you celebrate Mm -hmm. on Monday, on that Monday night? No, we come Mm -hmm. out on Tuesdays. Yeah. Mm -hmm. On that Monday night. Um, because you have already done the work worth celebrating. Mm. You do not need Amazon or a certain influencer or anybody else to tell you that it's time to celebrate mm. because of what they did when the book is out. You have done the work that is worth mm. celebrating. So you and Brenda need to eat like a nice dinner I love the it. night before yes. the book comes out because okay. the work is done. What happens now is out at Christine Kane says, God puts books in hands. Mm. You've done everything you can do. Mm-hmm. You need to celebrate that you did the work because there's a lot of people who 10 years ago had a book in their heart and they've never written it. Mm. And you did. Mm. And so. That's so good. Will Thanks you celebrate so the night before or the weekend yes. before or something?
1: And I like literally my, that's like so my Enneagram 7 husband. Yeah. He's like, he's like oh, a thing that we could celebrate. We should probably yes. go to a nice
0: dinner. I'm like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. He's like, should we should try everything on the menu. Just let us try everything on the menu. <laughs> yes. No, it's, yes. You guys should meet that's someday. My friend Chris McLarney and I, he's a 7 and we are like, our dream is to go to restaurants and go bring it all. We won't eat near most of it, but bring it all. But just, yes. Just bring it all. Um, okay, the last question we always ask, Andy, because the show is called That Sounds Fun. Tell me what you do for fun. Whew.
1: This is going to sound a little odd, but we love
0: Disneyland.
1: <gasps> that is not odd. Love, I love Disneyland. Love it. And, like, taking our kids there brings me so much joy. And Did it, you grow
0: up going to Disneyland over yes. Disney World?
1: Um, yes, a couple times. And we've gone to Disney World, too. I love both. And I, actually, I love Epcot, but Disneyland. We took my daughter when she was it's two and so a half. It's so special. And I, there's just, I'm like so tapped in to my inner child when I am in like Disneyland. Yes, yes.
0: And land, particularly to me, has something very. His historic isn't the right word. Nostalgic. And Mm -hmm. you just go like, Oh yeah, Walt Disney built this. Like this feels like I'm stepping back into those like the Mickey Mouse Club of the fifties or something. I love it when we go
1: you know i love it when you do things that don't that make you not want to check your phone
0: yeah and like
1: not like you want to be more present uh-huh and like i think that that's one of those places where when we're there like and you know my enneagram seven husband and my yes. ki- and our kids and we're just like oh, this is so fun yeah. you know and i just i you know obviously that's not how all of life is yeah but to have some of those moments that are just so like it's just like oh it's just so sweet yes and to just really sink into the presence of it i
0: i just love it pay attention to what makes you not want to pay attention to your phone that's right that's really good oh friends don't you just love andy i know she's so great what a peaceful way to start our year between seth on monday and andy today it just feels like yes let's Be healthy in all the ways. The world is telling us right now how to eat and how to exercise and and how to be healthy in our bodies. And we're always going to want to talk about how to be healthy in our minds and spirits here as well, too. And so I just hope that um, this conversation meant as much to you as it did to me. Make sure you grab a copy of Andi's new book, Try Softer, and give her a follow on Instagram. Again, her name is Andi Kolber, A U N D I k-o-l-b-e-r you can find her all over the place give her a follow Toward. thanks so much for being on the show and how much you enjoyed the conversation if you need anything else from me you guys know i'm embarrassingly easy to find annie f downs instagram twitter facebook all the places you may need me that is how you can find me and if you're along with us for the ride of 100 days to brave 2020 we are on day nine if you have just got the book don't worry. Just jump in with us today on day nine and go forward from here. It is going to be so fun. You're going to really enjoy it. You can grab that at any of your favorite local bookstores or online retailers. So make sure you are joining along with us on 100 Days to Brave 2020. I think that's it for me today, friends. Go out and do something that sounds fun to you, and I will do the same. We will see you back here on Monday. Y'all have a great weekend.